Created by Future Forum, this is part five of the 20 Minute City podcast. A little longer than 20 minutes, a conversation with some interesting people at the intersection between their sense of well-being and the city we live in. Welcome to season two. I'm Dino Vrignos, creative director of Future Forum, architect and director of Dust Studio. Over this eight-part series, we're going to introduce you to some inspiring young people charting a course forward here in South Australia and beyond. The movers and shakers, the innovators and disruptors, the elite performers and the unicorn makers. They will share their story, their trials, tribulations and triumphs. And we'll have a bit of fun the way too. G'day, my name's Ben Tripodi, CEO of Lumen Sports and Hope. Ben's story is one of perseverance, courage, chance, and self-awareness. With a background in elite sport performance, Ben has learned a lot across his time working with some of the world's greatest athletes and has developed the software to bring that mindset to the masses. When considered across a lifetime, Ben's only at the start of his journey, but the team at 20 Minute City will be watching closely as he embarks on changing the lives of 2 million people. And with that, let's get started. Where we must, at the beginning. Our 20 minutes starts now. Ben, just to start off, we just want you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and specifically where you can talk about the connection to Adelaide. Yeah, so I've, um, I was born here, then we moved to Western Australia, came back. Um, so I've been here since I was five. Um, I guess the exciting stuff um, happened probably in my late teens. I was uh, into sport. I was a swimmer because my, my brother was a swimmer and my whole family was into swimming, did stuff life-saving, did everything like that, played footy. And then I got pretty heavily involved in triathlon when I was probably 16, 17 to probably when I was about 22. The sole goal was to become an uh, Olympic athlete, I guess, or at least world, champ- world championship athlete. And so I worked pretty hard at that, joined a semi-professional team, um, started racing uh, here and, and, and overseas a little bit. And I'm the youngest of four kids and we all, uh, I guess, inherited the gene of not being able to sit still and taking risks and mum's not a risk taker and said, um, I don't care what, what any of you kids do um, as long as you all get a degree and um, then you can go do whatever you want. And so we all went and got a degree and uh, mine was uh, health science. It um, allowed me to do a bunch of different things. And so when I was at university, I was still training uh, full time. So I was training 30 hours a week um, as, a, as a triathlete um, and and I then went part time at university, uh, and then that's when all the all the business stuff happened. So uh, this was pretty early in my in my in my life, but it launched first business in recovery garments um, with 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 my neighbour. Everything I've done has been attached to sport. Um, <laughs> launched an import business for carbon fibre cycling wheels out of China, um, and then probably the biggest. Uh, business I had in my early days was Finch Composites. And that was kind of the first premise or first, I guess, um, insight I got into the manufacturing space in Adelaide and and what I kind of realized what Adelaide at that stage, probably 10 years ago, um, was all about. Worked with a bunch of guys uh, who were manufacturing products for Holden, Toyota and that sort of thing and really got to understand their businesses. And then at that stage, I had no idea how to raise money. I didn't know how to run a business. All I knew was I wanted the product um, and I wanted to get built. Um, but I had a team like four people then, but realized I had no money and ran out of money pretty quickly. And, and um, yeah, like I said, I just didn't have any ability to solve any of those problems. Um, so then I, I kind of closed that up and 
uh, went and decided to get a real job. And so I kind of floated around with some uh, more like creative agencies and started becoming project manager and that sort of thing. And, and that's where I learned everything about software, how to manage it, um, problems you get with software. And that's where it all kind of began. And then, yeah, moved forward another three years. And here we are with Lumen Group and Hope, which all started from uh, working in World Tour Cycling. Triathletes and cyclists tend to hang out quite a bit. And uh, with the tour down under here, I reached out to a guy called Doug Ryder, who's the team owner of, at the time, Team Dimension Data. Um, and he said, yep, let's go for a, a bike ride when I'm down in Adelaide. And we just spoke about things. I spoke about how I want to build this this tech around athlete wellbeing tools and um, how we need to interpret data better so that he, people like him could could be able to make decisions easier. He loved it. Got his major sponsor, Dimension Data, to back us and kind of the rest is history. Luma Sports is, I guess, the original, um, the the OG. It's uh, all about interpreting complex athlete and team data for decision makers inside a team. And we were collecting up to 30, 40 different data points on athletes. And, and then uh, Hope came out of, I guess, the understanding that Every single team that we worked with, they're the world's best highest performers. Right? We've worked with Cadell Evans, Tour de France champion, Chris Froome, Mark Cavendish, all these incredible global sports stars. We, we understood that actually what made them so incredible is they were very self-aware and that they were well people. And so it doesn't mean they, weren't, they, they didn't have their struggles, but there was just this support structure around them. We really understood the mindset of what it means to be a champion. And generally speaking, those athletes go to become champions in every aspect of their life. And at the same time, so during COVID last year, one of the major sponsors of our cycling team reached out to us and said, hey, look, we've seen some of the work you've done with the World Tour Cyclists and with athletes. How quickly could you turn something around for, for our workplace? And uh, we said, yep, give us a couple, of, a couple of weeks. And we adapted our sports platform for a corporate setting. And what we learned from that was that the idea was right. People wanted that. People wanted to be able to quantify the well-being of their workforce um, and have tools to be able to build resilience and, and well-being in their workforce too. And so... Went out to investors, raised some more money, and we built Hope, which is a completely different product to our sports product now. However, a lot of the fundamental science behind it all sits in there. The big thing that we do is we have this video series in there, so it's a bit of a masterclass for wellbeing. And we have uh, high-performing celebrities essentially on there that talk about their wellbeing journeys. Um, and that's to inspire everyday people to say, well, these people win the Tour de France. What do they do when they're anxious? What do they do when... They're about to rock up to a 100-meter final um, at the Olympics. They're, they're anxious like everyone is. And so we get them to really deep down just talk openly about it. And the idea is that inspires people to go, oh, these people I look up to and they experience exactly what I experience. And the idea is then we also have some, some experts who they're not boring professors talking about, you know, you need to have eight hours of sleep every night because like, it's just unrealistic. But it's professors who are the best in the world, but they talk about, hey, I get it, you're working – 50 hours a week you have five kids this is this is a practical way of being able to improve your well-being without actually throwing out your life and then going to move to india and 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 meditating for 20 hours a day like it's it's practical advice and one thing else we studied in that time was that uh these these sporting teams had incredible leaders in there and we were able to understand what makes a good leader and what makes a good team and so we've got those team, those tools now in our Hope, Hope app as well, in our Hope, Hope product in that we also have those tools for the leaders and it's a smart ecosystem. So we alert leaders um, whenever they need, need to know something, we give them advice on how to approach an employee. That's what we're creating. We're creating this ecosystem of making good workplaces great and good leaders great and then building out the resilience and well-being of the workforce. We're going to take a breather and we'll be right back. 
with part two of our chat with Ben Tripodi. In all we do, we strive for better. Better processes. Better relationships. Better outcomes. We challenge convention. And refuse to accept the way it is. As the way it should be. We are generous with our time. And with each other. Because we believe that giving is better than taking. And what do we do? Well, we are makers. Makers of spaces. Makers of solutions. Makers of joy. Making a difference to make every day better. At Dust Studio, we make better. So we've heard Ben's story, and now we want to dive a bit deeper into understanding where it all started to feel like it was clicking, and if he feels like he's got validation for the hard work to date. It's interesting that things have accelerated very quickly for you in the last part of your career. It's kind of part of your DNA, Mm. this high performance. It's kind of like a default setting for you in terms of the career path you've taken. When did you first start to get the feeling that it was about to happen? When, When did you sort of really start to see validation in your ideas? Yeah, I still don't feel like I've made it. As anyone who's probably done a similar journey would understand that it's it's just really hard work and, and none of it is certain. There's no certainty in anything and just when you think you're doing something, you get you get kicked down by something else and there's no real way of doing anything. And I had this idea in my head that, you know, it had to be done a particular way because someone else done it. And, and I got to the end and someone told me, oh, I've, I've, I wouldn't have done it that way. And I was like freaking out about it and then I, I realized, but it all worked out perfectly fine. I just thought, oh, okay, well, I'm actually in control of, of, of my own path and where we're going to take this and, and people galvanize behind that. So as long as I'm confident in the strategy and what we're trying to do. And then the things just start to, start to come after that. We hired a bunch of really good executives that slowed it down, add some structure, and then put everyone in their own path. And from there, that's when things just accelerated massively. Well, I think that comes back to the idea of trying to become an elite athlete mm. and high performance. It's all there. The ingredients are there. It's just about understanding and having that guidance as to how to unlock that full potential. And so how did you go about curating that team of people around you to help build on, it wasn't just a job, it was a passion, but the fact that you actually had the the balls to just like hustle and email these people and one out of how many responded, how did you go about seeking out and curating that team of people. We, exactly. And I think that's that's the thing, right? So we've actually named our meeting room the uh, Douglas Ryder Room because Doug's had such an impact on my life and he, he's one of my good mates. But it all came from one cold email I sent. I sent out like, 30 emails and he admired that so much that because that's what he would have done. And he's he's just an absolute workhorse and, and I admire him for his talents and that that is what galvanized. And now when I look at other people, I, I see that same thing. You know, people who aren't complaining, they don't, care about the other things they have an opinion and they do it but it doesn't stop them you know i think a lot of people don't understand that they're actually absolutely in control of their own path and a lot of people don't think they are and um but it's very hard to break out of that Um, but the path isn't about knowing what the end is going to look like making peace with that is such an important part and from a well-being perspective as well we put so much pressure on ourselves about making sure we're doing it the right way when in fact just having a go yeah and owning that is probably more than half the battle one thing I've learned with the, the high performance space is that yeah, when I get the most anxious is when things are uncertain and things are a bit messy. It took me a lot of years to actually figure out, well, life is so uncertain and especially running business is so uncertain and you have to be comfortable with that. And so you have to control particular aspects of your life and that's where you get your certainty from. That's what keeps, keeps you grounded. 
everything else is a shit show. Um, and you're right. I think I think when you when you don't think like that, people can go, oh, this is really difficult. And look, we want to be a billion dollar business by 2030, um, and that's two million people. We want to use our products, and we want two million people to be their best selves tomorrow than they are today. And for that, is all around about well, we can't just go to that tomorrow. We can't sign on two million people tomorrow. And it's, it's like a 10-year process. But every year we've got these other milestones. Then they're broken down to other milestones. They're broken down to other milestones. And, and so it's always about taking those first steps. But I think when you have a team, it's all about, well, okay, what motivates everyone else? And then as a leader, you're trying to find the motivations of everyone else. Hopefully, collectively, there's a, there's a central motivation. But they've all got their own little quirks and their own little ways. It doesn't mean they're any less of a performer. They just perform in other ways. And, and they, need, they need other things in their life. To, to be able to get the best out of themselves. Yeah, it's contextual, but it's about having an awareness and understanding of how to help them be the best version of themselves, which is Absolutely. what I like about the intent of the app mm. in the sense that you prototype the idea with the elite performing. You mm. take the learnings from that and apply it in a democratized, scalable kind of way, which is, I think, an exciting opportunity. But I think you could not be hitting the market with your product at a better time than right now, given everything that we're all enduring. And I think the potential of where I think you're going with this is that your platform can become the platform that's the better version of Facebook, the better version of Instagram, where the the thread is the idea of well-being. And you can build an online community around well-being. So it's how do you shape that and how do you hit the triggers that will get that engagement and people are, you know, by stealth making themselves better without really knowing it. Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. Like we can't fall in the trap of just becoming another one of them. And look, we, we don't want to necessarily go down that path, but we want to be a tool that people want to use just as much as they use social media and and because they're getting so much benefit out of it. And it's not short-term quick benefit, mm. um, which is very hard to do because there's so much short-term quick benefits out in the world, which is not good for people. Mm. Um, but I also believe that uh, everyone in their life goes through a period of time. They, they find themselves, they try new careers, they do different things. They're starting to figure themselves out and it's a really hard time. But that's actually not the time that you need to go to these other these other quick wins because that's what happens. And then it, it kind of doesn't prepare them for the later years. But I feel like for me in my life, it wasn't until I had something really, really difficult in a, in a business to galvanize me and then <laughs> I've become so content after that. I've had so, I've got the most amount of uncertainty in my life and the most amount of pressure in my life, but I'm the happiest I've ever been. The wealth of resilience you get from that is immense and then you try again and that same feeling. Every year I go, I didn't think I was going to be in this position again. I thought I was done with those days of anxiety and stress, but I kind of realized that that's what it's all about and I wouldn't want it any other way and I still train really hard um, in running and in cycling and swimming because it's actually not about the comfort. And I think people try to avoid that at all costs, but actually you almost need that. But then you have your recovery period to rest from that. And, and that's what the high performers do, is what elite athletes do, is they work so hard, but then they have the recovery from that. Professional people, they probably don't have that recovery aspect. They've got the work ethic right, and I think that's a good thing to work as hard as you can because I, I just think it's amazing that people do that. But you need the recovery side of that as well, and you recovery with your friends with – you need to have social networks, um, you need to physically recover as well, but that shouldn't mean your whole life should be that. You actually need that stimulus and then you need that recovery. Mm. You're now operating internationally, which is amazing, from little old Adelaide. What is it about Adelaide you think that's helped to support that and do you think it's actually going to be a barrier for you moving forward or does it actually set things free? Good good question. I've always been a believer in this from a very young age in that it's fantastic. We have some you know, <laughs> amazing athletes here. 
also have the tour down under, which, like I said before, I don't think people understand how big that event is in, on the global calendar. And everyone in professional cycling knows about Adelaide. So for me, it's amazing. All my clients come here every year. I don't have to go see them. Having a HQ in Adelaide is amazing. You have access to smart people um, and they're, they're starting to not leave as much, which I think is great. Things are pretty affordable. Um, again, it's increasing, but I think it's still very affordable. Like we can be in the heart of the city in an amazing office and we're not paying Sydney prices. So our team that works here enjoys the premises. They enjoy the environment. They can go home, 20-minute city. They can go to deliver the beach and they can go have a property down the coast and, and it's all very affordable and, and they enjoy what they do. But then as a global business, you need about travel. And one of the things I love the most about having an Adelaide HQ in the city is that it's a 15-minute trip to the airport and I can be on a flight overseas. Whereas in Melbourne, how long does it take you to get to the airport? It's a, it's a trek. And so I just think that's amazing. When you do need to get on the flights, it's easy. People love living here and working here. Um, and you get a different type of personality here as well, which is our values, you know. And I think great products come from that because we're all motivated here. We just like to play it cool. We're not arrogant. We're not going around shouting our name. And I think that's actually a really good value set to have. What's your favorite spot in Adelaide? Favorite spot? Um, yeah, like Goolwa, Middleton, uh, I'm a trail runner, so I love the trails. Um, that's actually my happy spot. Probably Sturt Gorge. Childhood memories there. It's where I've it's where I work really hard. I've had hunger flats there, which people who don't do ultra running or endurance events wouldn't understand, but it's it's a pretty serious feeling. And I've just had a lot of experiences and I've done races in there. Um, and then yeah, then the ocean. Uh, so down at Middleton or or down down that way in yeah, Parsons area. That's just beautiful place. It is on and I've traveled a lot and, and it's nothing can compare with that like it is absolutely beautiful ocean and environment and um yeah i just hope more and more people don't don't knock it over and build massive houses on it any advice to your younger self given that it's kind of worked yeah. out okay right but well, I, don't, I don't regret anything yeah looking back i think um i worried about a lot and i probably took a couple of key mentors in my life and i'm going to mention one of them, james begley who um he's going to love that i just mentioned his name and how he's had an influence on my life but he he's a risk taker and yeah very good at what he does but he's, he's smart and he just – he saw my situation very early on because um, he, he's co-founder in our business and I was just still so risk-averse and I just couldn't take the leap. And it, it was up to him to kind of mentor me go, mate, it's going to be fine. You just need to take the leap. And I remember just being so conservative about risk. Deep down, I wanted to take risks but it was almost, I don't know, social structure. I don't know what it was but when you grow up, you never get taught to take risks and I think it's actually you have to have a few moments like that where you go, the opportunity is so big that you just have to take the risk otherwise you, you, you'll regret it for so long. And, and so I think I would just say that it's all fine. Everything works out and now I don't, I don't worry about things like that as much anymore. What's your secret sauce? Uh, yeah, okay. Like I think what I mentioned before, I'm very particular about my routine. And I'm very protective of my routine. And, and people give me grief about this because um, especially a, lo a lot of my mates are elite or professional athletes and they give me so much shit because I still think that I'm a professional athlete, which I'm not. But I like to train really, really hard and I like to have really big goals. But for me, that's so important. For me, that is my reminder of how much I'm capable of. Nothing in my day is going to be as hard as what I just put myself through that morning. And so for me, that's, that's my secret source. So we'll close up with... Your big idea. Um, clearly, you've got a few, mm. but like, what what are the things that you would take from what you're doing now? You've talked about, you know, lazy billion dollar company, two million users by 2030. Is that the big idea, or is there something bigger that's like less about your own personal life? What's the big idea for Adelaide, or you know, the thing? If you could, what would you do? 
so I'm very devoted to, to hope and to Lumen and that is something I will not stop until I get to that billion-dollar valuation. My personal aspiration is this having having what I call the ranch and everyone who knows me knows about the ranch and it's something I talk about daily and that is my personal North Star. That is what drives me and I have this it's going to sound like a cult, but it's not a cult. <laughs> I want to have this this big block of land, but do everything I want there, like next to the coast, so I can surf and hang out in the ocean. I want to have twenty k's of trail running there. I want to have a, a track and field track there. All the things in my life I want to have there, and but then I also want to have beautifully designed tiny homes all around the property where my family and friends can have unlimited access to. And that's and that's another aspect of that is I want to yeah I want to have these dinners every week where all the people in my life and new networks can come and can talk about these amazing ideas. And- yeah, you're, you're my spirit animal, I think. Um, <laughs> but I, I, but how we like how do we create that environment, create a safe place to fail and test in Adelaide so that we can achieve anything and become, you know, a powerhouse with a small population? You know, when I had hobby businesses, when I say side businesses, I was so involved with the startup space. I was so involved in doing these things. But as I achieved, the business became more serious. I actually left that and so you actually crave these more intimate moments with other people who are going through a similar thing with you and not these kind of big public things where lots of people are at. You kind of just want to have a couple of key people where you go, I want to share these with you and I want to understand your thoughts on this and and then you want to open up and go, okay, cool, oh, I feel a bit better about that because I've just debriefed with someone and and maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just asked my own question there. Maybe it's actually having more people talk about things like this and talk about the heartache and their the things that happened and then when they're ready to go do something, there needs to be the government and society there to back them. But maybe that's even gone full circle. Maybe that's things like the banks need to start becoming a bit easier to to work with smaller businesses as well. And I think everyone needs to live in a house. Everyone needs to needs to have a safe place. And that's the one thing that banks need is long-term employment. And so if that is the core thing, no matter what we do anywhere else, like that is a big part of why someone might take the risk-averse option of, uh, actually, I might do it in five years' time. Once I, I'll settle down first, then have a kid. Oh, actually, I'll wait till my kid's a bit older. Um, and so I think a bunch could happen, but we're getting there. I really do think we are. Thanks to Ben for sharing his story and taking us through his city. If you'd like to find out more about Ben and the businesses he leads, you can do that at lumensports.com and hope.com. H-O-A-P.com. 20 Minute City is a podcast series created by Future Forum in collaboration with Das Studio and City Mag. If 20 minutes isn't enough, head to future-forum.com.au for more from the people who make Adelaide better. In our next instalment, we'll chat with Lauren Hillman, General Manager at Channel 44. So if you've heard a politician on the radio and you're coming into that building and they've finished their interview and they're in the foyer, well, why wouldn't I take the opportunity to say, hi, hi, I just heard you on the radio. But also, you know, I would love to come and chat to you about a really important issue in community TV and all the reasons why you should help me. And just like that, our time is up. 20 Minute City has been produced on Ghana Country.